We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's get to some headlines. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines. Brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. All right, uh, we start with um, we start with uniforms. <laughs> this is the number one trending story on the Houston Chronicle in the sports section is the threat, I guess, of the Titans, Tennessee Titans. Um, Jim Wyatt, who writes for the team's website and who's covered the Titans for years and years, said in a mailbag post uh, that went up this week, in answer in response to a fan's question, said that the Titans plans to wear the Oilers' old-school uniforms, their throwback uniform, the Titans franchise's throwback uniforms, the plan is to wear them for a home game this coming season in 2023. The exact game is still to be determined, but I've already heard, this is Wyatt talking, he said, I've already said I suspect it will be for the game versus the Texans. Wouldn't that make the most sense? And um, and people are you know people are not too happy about that uh, here in Houston that the Titans would be wearing the Oiler uniforms. Um, yeah, I uh, look. I, I would encourage people in Houston to uh, embrace this yes. because this is honestly one of the dumbest things I've seen an ownership group do. And uh, it's like the Adams family has continued on the family tradition of being clueless about what us common folk actually like. Because the, the Titans, Tennessee Titans fans might be stupid. They might be inbred. Um, but they're not like, you know, down in the dirt, can't understand insult. Uh, inbred and stupid. And it's an insult to them. The, the throwback jersey would be some jersey that they don't care about from a time when this team was in another city that's still within the division. And uh, frankly, they just flat out don't care. This is more about the Adams family ego than it is anything else. So the prospect of this becoming a Letterman jacket type scenario where, oh, they go out and they wear the throwback jerseys and then it becomes obviously an affront to the football gods and the Texans beat them by 47 points in their home stadium. As the Adams family has their hands out asking for money for a new stadium, I love it. So I think I think we should embrace this. I think we should encourage the Adams family to go ahead and, and put the Houston throwback jerseys on their Tennessee football team. Let's do it. It undeniably makes this more interesting, the game this yeah. year between these two teams, if it does happen. I just texted Brent Doherty, who's a he's a radio host. He does afternoons up in Nashville. I, I want to find out if what you're saying is is the case. Like how do Titan fans feel about wearing the Oiler uniform? I'm 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 gonna I'm asking him what the sense is that he's getting up there. If they were the Oilers for one year in nineteen ninety seven. The uh, I don't know if they called themselves the Tennessee Oilers or they the did. Memphis it was a Tennessee. It was the Tennessee Oilers. I called yeah. them the Memphis Oilers because yeah. they played that year in Memphis. They played in the Liberty Bowl, which is a sad sack of a stadium. It was barely even. I, I'm surprised, honestly, that it was allowed to to house people. I thought it should have been. Uh, it should have been condemned. Is, is that was, the worst? Is that the worst stadium you played in in your NFL career? The, the old Yale Bowl was pretty bad. 
Uh, no, no, no. In your, in your, in your oh, NFL, NFL career. NFL career. Yeah. They did used to play NFL games in the Yale Bowl. I know. Um, yeah, it probably was. I never played in the old Cleveland Stadium. Was that a dump Liberty? too? Yeah, that's yeah. There used to be stories about that. Like there'd be standing water in the locker room, and it was it was bad. So yeah, I would say the Liberty Bowl because it wasn't really an NFL stadium. It was just the old Liberty Bowl, and they um, they just that's where they were for one year. I remember at the time. I guess uh, the, the people, it was framed as kind of like a PR disaster at that point, too, to think that, like, oh, yeah, people in Memphis will love that you just carpet bags for one year and, and then go off to Nashville, that it might have actually kind of angered people in Memphis that they were just showing up to do a tour of the state. I don't know. Um, I just know that it was, uh, it was weird. All right, so that that's the uh, that's the deal with the uniform. So we may oh, see. I, a, I will say this: this is a, as much as I. Uh, that was one of my more like that was my one of my welcome to the NFL moments at the Liberty Bowl, uh, where Memphis has a. a uh, I had like two different instances in that during that game when women from the stadium like tried to call me over to talk to me during the game. Really? I was like, this is like an awesome club or something here in Memphis. Yeah. Um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was weird. No, I mean, look, they, they, they had buck teeth. They were, you sure. know, obviously, like, they'd, they'd, rode, they'd rode a mule into town, um, looked like they'd never showered in their lives. But still, it was kind of aggressive is, is what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I got my first introduction to what it's like in Tennessee. <laughs> First impressions are everything. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's the deal with that. Um, as far as NFL news, there's a lot of NFL news, man. Today is the day. Today is the deadline for franchise tags. 3 p.m. today, teams have the opportunity to uh, put a franchise tag on their marquee free agent, which basically is a placeholder that gives them the average of the top five salaries at their position. The big name to focus on today is Lamar Jackson, as we talked about earlier this hour. Um, there's a chance, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com, he's here, and there's a chance that the Ravens could give Lamar Jackson the non-exclusive franchise tag, which is cheaper than the exclusive, but it does make him available to other teams in free agency. Now, the Ravens can match any offer, and if they let him go, the Ravens get two first-round picks from the team that signs him. That's worth noting. As far as the players that have been hit with the tag, uh, Tony Pollard, running back in Dallas, franchise tag. Uh, Josh Jacobs, running back in Las Vegas, franchise tag. Evan Ingram, tight end, Jacksonville, franchise tag. And one that we missed earlier, uh, Deron Payne, defensive tackle, Washington, franchise tag. So it's those four, and then Lamar Jackson. Daniel Jones is the other one, Seth. Daniel Jones, quarterback. And let's get the Orlovsky ready here, Ben, that we didn't hit earlier. Um, Daniel Jones, the quarterback for the uh, New York Giants, he... He had a solid year. He got the Giants to the uh, he got the Giants to the postseason, where they were promptly dispatched by the Eagles, thirty-eight to seven. Well, not promptly. I mean, they okay. Yeah. Well, they were down twenty-eight nothing at halftime. That's oh, they, well, they beat they beat Minnesota yeah. in the first round. Yeah, right. yeah. No, you had me questioning. My sorry about that. There, yeah, no, I, I'm okay. yeah, I mean, promptly in that game. Sorry. Yeah. Um. The. Uh, Anyways, I don't think Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback, but the Giants might be in a position where they have to pay him like a franchise quarterback. His representatives are reportedly in New Jersey today trying to hammer out a deal. What is a good deal for Daniel Jones right now? A good deal would be, I mean, gosh, I would say $35 million a year. 
uh, for four years. Yeah. But he probably – does he get $45 million I don't know. The, that's the going rate. The report yesterday was that it was going to be four – that there was talk of four years, $160 million, and this – this made Dan Orlovsky's head nearly explode. Dan mm-hmm. Jones is going to get forty plus million dollars. That's what it sounds like. Listen, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to kill Daniel Jones. I, I, he earned his money last year. He played better. Seven months ago, Daniel Jones went into this season with fifty touchdowns and forty nine turnovers, and now we're talking about paying him like three hundred thousand dollars a month less than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that's that is mind-boggling to me because if you're the Giants, <laughs> who else is paying him this money? Mm-hmm. Who else? If, if you don't give him this money and, and, and he hits the market, who's paying him 40-plus million dollars? 35, I'm cool with. 30, 35 million dollars, I can understand. For a guy that we're going to sit here and say, D- you, did the what? you didn't turn the ball over last year? We're paying you 42-plus million dollars a year? I can't wrap my brain around that. I can't. I, I can't comprehend that. I, I I understand the whole market. I can't wrap my head around that one. This is like okay, Chun. You know. You know. How I feel about sometimes the and, and this is as as a as a stat nerd. I say this. There are times where sometimes you get so deep in the weeds on either justifying something or arguing against something that with all these advanced stats and whatnot. I mean, sometimes it just boils down to points scored, touchdowns scored. I mean, I, he had he, 15 touchdowns last year. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure, he got the interceptions down, but he threw for, he threw 15 touchdowns. Um, yes, he's got some rushing ability, but not to the same level as some of those other guys. So, yeah, I just I'm, – I'm right there with Orlovsky. I just don't understand or see how you can justify paying him up there. I would say let him play under the franchise tag. I do too. And, you know, and, I, just, that, and, and be done with it unless he signs for much less than that. Yeah, I, I, well, this is what I didn't get with what Orlovsky just said. Where he's just his head explodes over forty million, but he's cool with thirty five. Yeah, I like, know. That's I know. Still, I know. that's you're overthinking <laughs> it, man. Like I honestly, Seth, I want my quarter. If I have a quarterback for my football team, I either want it to be a guy who you can justify paying forty million for, or give me a bridge. Let me go draft somebody and find somebody else. You know, yeah. like I, I, I think giving Daniel Jones thirty or thirty five million for multiple years, I think is super, super risky. I'm with you. Franchise tag. Make it the non-exclusive. That's thirty-two million. If a team wants to give you two first-round picks and sign Daniel Jones, hell, let him do it. Um, yeah. But I think the franchise tag was made for a guy like Daniel Jones, who's had one serviceable year as an NFL quarterback. I mean, I guess the the difference between thirty-five and forty-five million, or I guess the forty million, is like that. Dak Prescott makes forty million a year on his, whereas you get down to like. Thirty-five million is about the well. Geno Smith is making thirty-five million a year now. Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, those guys like they're still really, really good deals, but they're a few years outdated in terms of top quarterback salaries. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like Geno Smith, I would. Would you take Geno Smith or Daniel Jones for the next three years? I would take Geno Smith at this point yes. over Daniel Jones. Absolutely. So, yeah, I can't justify that. Maybe Geno Smith's contract becomes the template for. For Daniel, for Jones. like the tier two guys, maybe. Yeah, 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 maybe so, maybe so. I would do that. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd be uh, okay with thirty five million as long as it's something I can get out of in a year or two. You're listening to KLT and KLT HD two and Odyssey Station. Um, Derek Carr to the Saints was the big story yesterday. He got more than thirty million a year and more than thirty five. Four years, one hundred and fifty, sixty million guaranteed at signing. Another ten million if he's still on the team a year from now. 
Um, so basically, seventy million virtually guaranteed for Derek Carr. Derek Carr does Derek Carr make the Saints a ten-win team next year? They are they went seven and ten this year. I want to they're, say they're in a division. Remember where that's a lot more achievable yes. than perhaps in others. They've got they've got a little bit of that. You know, some of those years where Bill O'Brien had a ten wins, but it was in a very weak year for the AFC South. I think there's a little bit of that going on. Yep. Um, yes, and I the, think they could. And, I could yeah. and that division crosses over with the Texans division this year. So oh, they, they. So so Derek Carr. So Derek, boy, that could be a good over. If Carolina, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay don't find a Lamar Jackson type solution at quarterback, yeah, oh, the over on Saints wins because they play six games in that janky division that they're in, and they play the Texans, the Colts, the Titans, and the Jaguars. That's ten of their games, dude. Ten of the Saints games are against the AFC South and the NFC South. Right now, the Saints, I don't know if this has been updated since Carr was signed or not. This is on Vegas Insider. Yeah. The uh, Saints are the 15th favored to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I think they'll wreck shop. No, no, I'm just using that as a gauge like a power ranking. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, whereas the Bucks, the Commanders are below them. The Panthers are are still a good five or six slots below yep. them. And that may have been before Derek Carr signed. So, yeah, I'd say 10 wins. Yep. Derek Carr. Do you like the signing? Carr to the I Saints? I keep forgetting you get that extra win, too, Sean. 17 so, uh, that, that extra game. Yeah. yeah. 10 wins ain't what it used to be. Yeah. Back in my day, back in my day, you could buy 10 chickens with 10 wins. <laughs> now it ain't the worth you. Worth the, yeah. <laughs> could buy a Snickers but with a nickel. Uh, what was the question? You Derek, asked? Derek Carr. Do you like the Carr signing to the Saints? Yeah, I guess for whatever it is the Saints are doing and however they're trying to muddle their way through right now. I mean, they've got some things like the Taysom Hill contract, which I know I know some Saints fan is going to tell me, like, no, he's a tight end now, not a quarterback. The only time I ever notice him is when they move him in at quarterback. I don't know what the hell Taysom Hill is. Dude, that's they got not James even a good contract for a quarterback with yeah, Taysom they Hill. Yeah, they they still got Jameis Winston on the roster. I feel like, I feel like they've – because of Drew Brees and Sean Payton – and some like cor- credit card wizardry with the salary cap. I do think the Saints have gotten credit for maybe being a better overall organization than they actually are over the last few years. And now it's starting to come to a head where you realize, oh, okay, maybe maybe Sean Payton being as smart offensively as he was and having Sean, having Drew Brees as his quarterback actually did them more long-term harm than good because there were times where you know they'd have they'd have four really good running backs stockpiled that they would barely use they 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 wouldn't pay for a receiver until they paid for Michael Thomas they're doing this whole Taysom Hill experiment for years now um i just I guess I like it for them, but I just don't like the way the Saints have been operating the last couple of years. Yeah, it's an old roster. I, that's the one thing yesterday, Seth, is I was I was kind of scouring the Saints roster to see like who their cap casualties might be so yeah. the Texans might be able to vulture in and, and grab a, a couple of these guys. Um, it's an old roster. I mean, there's a lot of really recognizable names on both sides of the football on that team, but it's older. So I, I think from that standpoint, Derek Carr makes sense because they probably are in a window where they're trying their best to win right now as opposed yeah. to – they can't draft a young quarterback because the Eagles have their pick. They have the tenth pick, and the, they would have had the tenth pick in the draft, but the Eagles have their pick from the trade last season, right before the draft. So, I like it. I'm with you. I like it fine. They're going to win that division as of right now because of Derek Carr. So, whatever you do, you Saints. I guess uh, Taysom Hill did have seven rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns okay. last year. Okay. 
So nine touchdowns as a tight end slash quarterback slash whatever the hell he's, he's lined Did up. Did we disrespect uh, Taysom Hill? Mm. Saints fans, are we disrespecting Taysom Hill or are you sick of Taysom Hill as well? Yeah. Uh, we got s- Saints fans that listen to us, and I'm always intrigued by them because I oh, feel yeah. like it's uh, – I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's, it, it's, it's a strange dynamic. They're fun. Saints fans are fun. Yeah, Louis- Southern Louisiana people, man. They're fun yeah. people. Uh, Calvin Ridley reinstated yesterday from his gambling suspension. Jacksonville Jaguars, for those who hadn't been paying attention, the Jags traded a day three pick for Calvin Ridley last year. And he sat on the sidelines, not literally sat on the sidelines, but he was out for a year, suspended because he gambled while he was away from the team when he was with the Falcons two seasons ago. Gambled on the Falcons um, and getting uh, getting reinstated here to the Jags. As of right now, Seth, that is the roster addition in the AFC South that is the benchmark right now. That is thus far in the offseason, that is the Dude, best addition in the AFC South. It is, you know, and, and, the, and the Jaguars have some cap uncomfortable uh they, they're a little bit uncomfortable with the cap right now too they, they might have to have some guys restructure their <laughs> they deals spent like drunken sailors last i know year. they're already into not i wouldn't say cap issues i think a lot of the guys that they want to uh like evan ingram they've got the franchise tag on right now i think he ends up getting a longer term deal that'll be more cap friendly yeah. but um they're just yeah they're spending they're paying for what they're getting right now uh as promising as it might be Dwayne Brown back for a 16th season in the NFL uh, this season with the Jets. Uh, I had read an article about this yesterday. Of course, Dwayne Brown, former All-Pro for the Texans back in the day, spent five seasons in Seattle, signed with the Jets uh, last year, and I did not realize how big a leader he he had become in their locker room. I didn't know that he had gotten hurt in the preseason and basically played through the injury for a huge chunk of the year. He was playing with like a torn rotator cuff yeah. all year. You you had a shoulder injury at one point, did you not, Seth? Yes, a bunch of them. Those are those are uh, I would imagine pretty painful to play. I know you were a defensive lineman, but I would imagine it's pretty painful trying to block people with yeah. a torn rotator cuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of guys have rotator cuff injuries without realizing it. But yeah, yeah he's old. It's gonna be. He's gonna have stuff like that. Yep. So props to Dwayne Brown. He's a huge leader in their locker room, I guess. Yeah. Um, you don't seem moved by the Dwayne Brown news. <laughs> I don't know. What am I going to say? Uh, yeah, good. Yeah. He's a great leader. Okay, good. He's a great leader on a bad team. Yeah, All right, yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he sure got Zach Wilson turned around. Boy, I can't – you know what? Somebody got mad at me yesterday for saying that the Rockets were rudderless. And he said, hey, they got John Lucas there. And I'm like, dude, that is an awful thing to put on John Lucas. Like, all right, you're going to – yes, I agree that John Lucas is a great leader. I happen to be talking about veteran players and how having that presence there can mean something. And when you don't have them, it becomes starkly obvious that certain things aren't being done. So basically, if you invoke John Lucas's name in that discussion, you're basically saying that John Lucas is ineffective at what he does. And getting guys to, except for maybe these last couple of games, actually give a damn about defense or care uh, look like they care what they're doing. I so, uh, yeah, yeah, I would, uh, I disagree with you on that one. Okay, how about, uh, how about Hunter Brown? A different Brown in headlines here. Um, I was accused of fear-mongering yesterday by a listener because Hunter Brown, who allowed a single and walked three batters in uh, less than two innings yesterday in his spring training start, um, I tweeted that this Hunter Brown issue with control combined with Lance McCullers' injury is the first crisis for the 2023 Houston Astros. Am I fear-mongering the fan base by saying that this is the first crisis for the 2023 Houston Astros? You're not actually fear-mongering because you, um, 
Because you actually do feel it's a crisis. I, I do think you're uh, you're a Am little I bit wrong? Of a baby. <laughs> you're a little bit of a baby when it comes to overreacting to spring training stuff. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the Hunter Brown's going to be working on some stuff. You're going to be nervous about his control issues because uh, that's an actual issue for him. But I don't think crisis is the right word until. He goes through a couple weeks of this with no good performances. Okay. You guys have to remember, this is the problem, and this is why relievers get either like elevated or crucified so quickly and easily. A starting pitcher can have two bad innings and then go on and still have a really good game after that. A, a reliever, if he has two bad innings in a row over two games, all of a sudden he's the scum of the earth and you can't believe the GM ever signed him. So likewise with a guy in spring training – if you've got two appearances with a maximum of four innings that you're going to go, it's really easy to look at it and say, oh, my gosh, it's really bad, as opposed to a starting pitcher that has four bad innings or three bad innings over the course of one game, and then maybe the next game has a chance to rectify it. You just, you've just you got a bigger sample size. That's why I don't want to panic over Hunter Brown's first couple appearances. Yeah, that's, I guess my, my issue is these are the, the, the McCullers injury and Hunter Brown, these are known issues with both of these guys. You know, control issues yeah. with Brown and – Injury issues with McCullers. That's why it, it has me it has me worried. So um, yeah, that's uh, I, and I guess you know maybe uh, Jordan not swinging a bat yet should be the thing that I'm more concerned about right now. You know why I'm frazzled, Sean? Because I kept there was a point that I wanted to make about the Saints, and twice I was about to say it, and then you would ask me a question. So oh. like even the point where I'd written Saints down, I was writing Saints down. When you were talking about Dwayne Brown, yeah, and then all of a sudden you asked me a question, and now I'm looking down at my notes, and it says Saints rotator cuffs. <laughs> I like, I just, I, and now it's gone to me forever. I just, it's, I, it's, I had a really good point about the Saints, and now it's gone forever you. because you're obsessed with Dwayne Brown's leadership ability. No, I thought I pissed you off by bringing up Dwayne Brown when I got one word answers from you both times. You're I'm like, just yeah, pissed off. yeah, that's yeah. just pissed off. I was sitting here, I was writing. I don't know why I wrote down Saints first. Sorry, but about that. It, whatever it was, it was about the Saints and then rotator cuffs. I just, well, I guess my thing with Dwayne Brown is he used to be here, and boy, th- this would have been amazing if he was going into his 16th year as a Texan, but it was not meant to be, obviously, and it, it's complicated. Do you think Dwayne Brown ever comes back and does all the, you know, like comes back here to NRG Stadium someday to be part of all the, you know, like all the festivities that are going to happen with D'Amico Ryans as the coach now? He, he specifically thanked Cal and Hannah McNair on his way out of town. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was an ugly it was an ugly departure for Dwayne yeah. Brown. Yeah, I do feel like it was. Um, Does time heal all wounds? That's my question. It was a holdout. He reported he made some very critical remarks uh, at a time that would could be very damaging to Bob McNair, um, which ultimately led him to like I don't want to say opportunistically. Uh, but the timing was perfect, and it led to him getting traded pretty quickly. It was literally three so, days before the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't think he probably participates in a lot of that stuff. Okay, there you I go. I think it's probably. I don't know whether bad blood's the right word, but there's just those are uh, those are big wounds. Yep. I don't know. All right. Um, Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, on a Tuesday seven one three five seven two four six ten. If you want to get in, Bryce Young met with the media at the combine. Uh, on uh, Friday, one answer that he had that would be way more important if certain people were still in the building over at NRG Stadium. That is next. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, Tuesday. Oh, I got my business cards. 
They just got dropped off in the studio here. I haven't had business cards in a long time. Your Sports Radio 610 business cards? Yes, yes. I requested them uh, a, f- a few weeks ago. How did you, where did you request them? I requested them with our friend about- Aaron. Yeah. Oh, you didn't have to go to Odyssey at work? No, no. I just made uh, a, I, I did what, uh, I, I did what we did back in the day, which is walk over to people or send them a text. Well, we didn't do that back in the day. Let me the, see that. Let yeah. me see the, oh, no, it's fancy. Yeah. 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 Pretty good. That doesn't look like you printed it on the Xerox machine. Either. No, nice no, stock. these are nice. They're good, good quality uh, cardstock card here stock. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got my my email on there. It's got Payne and Pendergast on there. So I wish, uh, they're going to keep us. Hey, Seth, if you want to know how long, at least they're going to keep us together. However yeah. long it takes to use this many business cards. <laughs> <laughs> Show name I, is uh, on there. I haven't. Uh, if it does, it, you got to get a QR code, Sean. Maybe oh, you can get those added on with damn. stickers. Yeah. For your own, All right. Yeah. It's a total redo. Thanks. <laughs> I was. Uh, how about? I wonder <laughs> what percentage of Americans still don't know uh, what a QR code is and what to do with it. Because I, it hasn't been that long that I actually have had a clue about QR codes. I got it. They started seeping in everywhere, and I kind of like over time. I figured like, okay. Well, I think you know what it is. I was finally at a restaurant where the menu was on a QR code, so I had no choice but to stop being such a boomer and actually figure out how to use a QR code. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta guess at least twenty percent of Americans still don't know what a QR code is. Oh yeah, I bet you're right about that. It's always way more than you think. You know what I mean? So for that twenty percent, it's um, it's the black and white little jumbled. What would you call it? It looks like a bunch of hodgepodge of nonsense. It's a square with a bunch of little squares inside (laughs) of it that means something. Camouflage. Yeah, a little it bit. It looks like modern camouflage. <laughs> yes, a little bit. A little bit. Um, a very inadequate camouflage. A little square of camouflage trying to hide. Now that you've been indoctrinated to it, do you like looking at menus using QR codes? No, I still don't like it. Yeah, I, was I don't either. Wasn't I when I was trying to? We were trying to figure something out at one of the restaurants last week when we were at spring training. Yeah, and I was getting very frustrated. I don't like very it frustrated. I like holding the menu in my hands. You know, I like. I like holding a menu that other people have had their grubby hands on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't mind anymore, you know? We're back to the grime and the grit of pre- we're, back to, we're back to, you know, not washing your hands after yeah. you go number two, right? Yeah. Like, is okay, everybody with me? I didn't right. Say yeah, that. That's <laughs> definitely not what I said, just you to know, be clear. We're back to just hawking loogies on the on But the you floor are right. No, now, now that you bring it up, you're right. As I'm holding We're that menu, a- it's the lowest common denominator <laughs> that I need to worry about the people who don't wash their hands. <laughs> we're, ba- we're back to, you know, working at the dairy farm and then just not cleaning yourself and going into the bank. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's the, one thing my family is always very adamant about, Sean. What's teaching that? you, like, you're on a dairy farm. Like, listen, uh, you got to be very, very, very conscious about the fact that to us, the smell of manure like barely registers. Yeah, but like other people pick it up, especially as things become more suburbanized everywhere. Yeah. Um, like if you're a farmer, you gotta you gotta scrub your hands with a lava soap extra hard as to be before you go into town. Scrub your hands. Yeah. Change your clothes. Wear the wear the shoes that weren't out walking around the the. the- the terrain yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you ever want to get yourself a woman that uh, you know isn't into you just for the smell of cow dung, <laughs> you gotta. You, that is gotta a kinky woman, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's harder to find. You know, you go to farmersonly.com anymore, and uh, and it's uh, hardly ever even actually farmers. I out know, there. I know. Yeah. It's been ruined, just like everything they, else. 
They claim their country, and then they come out to try to, uh, to try to shovel pig manure for a date, and they act all like, oh, I'm a lady. Yeah. This site was good, but I told you what was going to happen. There'd be a bunch of non-farmers on here, and then the site goes to hell. <laughs> they claimed a four-to-one female farmer to male farmer ratio. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. Turns yeah. out it's a four-to-one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. The animals don't count, please. Okay. I saw some ad yesterday for, like, some website. There's always a website that claims that they've got, like, a four-to-one female to male ratio. Uh, I'm like, so- when, are you, when are people going to learn? And then I forget, oh, yeah, horniness. You don't, yeah. You're, you're dumb always. Guys are always dumb when it comes Someone's to algorithm is cooking. Yeah. <laughs> Brandy, no, this was on. I want to say this was on television, but you're right. You're right. I didn't. Uh, it was. <laughs> All right. Um, Bryce Young met with the media at the combine uh, on Friday last week, and I, he had an answer to a question about where he might end up going. What team could he wind up going to? And it wasn't. It was really a. I mean, you listen to it. It's kind of a non-answer, but if. The dynamic were different inside the building with the Texans. We would be paying super close attention to answers like this one on where Bryce Young could end up. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, obviously, we don't get to choose. So, um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know what's. I'd, I'd be surprised either way. I'm. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Honestly, um, you know, I'm. Uh, again, it, it's an honor for me um, to, to be able to be selected by whatever team it is that, that takes a chance on me. So, whoever it was at, at whatever position, um, I'm just happy to, to get that chance at the next level. I think one of the things, Seth, that speaks to maybe the the Stability that D'Amico, or perceived stability at least, that D'Amico Ryans has brought to the organization. And that, let's be honest, Jack Easterby leaving the organization during the season has probably, uh, has probably uh, brought forth here is yeah. that it is not a topic at all as to will QBXYZ drafted with the second pick want to play for the Texans? You know, like that. And, and I think ultimately, even if the dynamic were different and they had Gannon as the head coach and Easterby were still yeah. here, I think you draft a quarterback with two, generally speaking, they're going to come play. But especially with C.J. Stroud, if with David Mulligetta as his agent, it's not even a topic. Like We're not even having to think about, do these guys even want to come to Houston? I think guys want to come to Houston now with D'Amico yeah. Ryans as a head coach. I don't know. Yeah, with the, with the C.J. Stroud, David Mulligetta part, I would have to guess, you know, when when Deshaun Watson requested the trade... For one, you know, we don't really have a clue about perhaps how much Deshaun might have sensed trouble of Bruin. The timing of it was that there wasn't, you know, there wasn't, a, there wasn't, it wasn't, nobody representing Deshaun, I, I think, knew that it was going to blossom into multiple women until after he had requested the trade. But Deshaun himself may have realized, you know, what he might have, what kind of bet he might have made for himself. Um... So there's that. But then beyond that, as far as what Mulligetta knows about the Texans and what Deshaun might not have liked about it, I think a lot of that was rooted in um, in in Jack Easterby. Yes. Just because because of Deshaun's comments about people thinking they're in charge when they don't they're, they're not really in charge or when they have the power and they don't. Um, it was just a mess. It wasn't whether you want to blame Easterby specifically or not, there was certainly a, a lack of leadership and direction in the organization. I think that if you're Mulligetta looking at the organization now, it's got to feel a lot different. It's got to feel like a different team and a different organization, particularly with both D'Amico and and after having worked with Nick Casario, I think Mulligetta saw a guy that didn't buckle, that didn't take the easy way out, but that also ultimately ended up 
getting a great deal for Deshaun, or Deshaun got a great deal out of it. So I think from Mulligetta's side, I'm guessing he and C.J. Stroud, consequently, look at the Texans differently now. And I guess it's just a question of whether the Texans themselves, and really the McNairs, I think it would be the McNairs if they have any kind of um, you know, personal baggage or issues remaining with David Mulligetta. I agree with you on that. You and I talked about that last week. I think the, any Mulligetta angst probably gets decre- probably decreases the further down the food chain that you go uh, over with the, the Texans. That's purely speculation, but that's just, you know, just outsider looking in. Um, that's an interesting point about how the, maybe the irony, I don't know how to couch it, but that David Mulligetta's confidence in the Texans as an organization and Nick Casario as a GM might come from the fact that he got so much for Deshaun Watson in that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, the the yeah. very client that he had that wanted out of the organization, because I don't think Deshaun wanted out because of Casario. I do think the way they arrived at Casario probably had something to do with it, that Deshaun yeah. felt he was going to have some sort of say-so in the whole thing, and then out of nowhere they you know, they – they do this hard left turn when they try, they, they went with Easterby's best bud. Yeah, you know, yeah, as yeah. far as from the way they were probably looking at it, you know, Deshaun is sitting there saying that, look, hey, there's people in charge who think they have the power, but they don't, or we need more direction. And then all of a sudden, they're drafting a guy, you know, without Deshaun's input, whether he was actually available to give it or not, who knows? But yeah, that was very much a Jack Easterby influenced hire. So I, I could see that as being the final straw if if that's what Deshaun wanted. And that's obviously a lot different now. There's been, I like there, there were people, there were people that had, there were people that for whatever reason had a very positive opinion of Jack Easterby in the organization at that time, who now do not have a positive opinion of Jack Correct. Easterby. Yep. So for however they came to that, um, they probably are more aligned with a lot of other people in the world. Um, text message, trailer, wheel and frame text page. Five eight three eight. How would you guys feel about Josh Gordon to the Texans? He's off to a good start in the XFL. <laughs> uh, I yeah. want nothing to do with Josh Gordon to the how, Texans. How old is Josh Gordon now? He's got to be like thirty four. He, he came into the league. His All Pro season was twenty thirteen. Um, when he was, it was He's him 31. and him and Megatron were the two first team. All- Isn't that crazy? That might be yeah. one of the wildest accolades on anybody's resume. Is that Josh Gordon was at one time. For the Cleveland Browns of all teams, considered one of the two best wide receivers in football. Oh yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, was incredible. Yeah, he just had, never had an issue with playing football. It was just keeping clean from all the other stuff. Dude. And it was just yeah, it was. Um, and uh, and I do think sometimes people try to simplify it by making it seem like it was all about uh, pot and nothing else. Where I think there's more to the story there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. He's only he's, he'll be 32 this year. And with age, a lot of times guys settle down, obviously. And uh, I, I don't know, is he still is he still officially reinstated in the NFL or is he still on his indefinite? Played for the Titans last year. Oh, okay. And, yeah, All he right. played for the Tennessee Titans last year. Um, and uh, let's see, let's see if he made it through the year. Uh, September 1st, signed to the Titans practice squad. September 19th, made his debut. Released October 17th, 2022. <laughs> so he's yeah. on the Titans for like a month. <laughs> no, I'm good. I don't, uh, no disrespect to Josh Gordon, a Houston native, Lamar High yeah. School, but uh, no, I'm good. Uh, one of our listeners uh, brings up a very valid point, but I, but I think you need some context on it uh, regarding Anthony Richardson. He says, Good morning, guys. Texans or any team drafting Anthony Richardson would be making the biggest mistake of their franchise. His 55% completion percentage. Yeah, uh, he says career completion percentage. That's that's one sticking point. Is bad, scary. That's against college kids, not all Americans in the NFL. 
Aikman, both Mannings, Romo, and more. Their completion percentage was, well, something or other. It gets cut off. Yep. Um, yeah, that's no, that's 100%. What people have discussed a whole lot is Anthony Richardson's erratic passing ability. The thing you have to realize also is that you're also saying that Josh Allen was the biggest mistake that the Bills ever made or that Lamar Jackson was the biggest mistake the Ravens ever made. Like, that's a pretty stark statement to make about somebody based on just one thing when – in recent years, I would include Dak Prescott in this, there have been more examples of guys imp- improving their completion percentage than there used to be. It used to be thought to be impossible to improve it. But, yes, it's certainly a huge gamble, and that's where you're betting that the, the ceiling of Anthony Richardson is higher than those other guys, but he is very much the most boomer bust out of all of these guys. Agreed, agreed. And speaking of that, um, Bruce Feldman has some uh, thoughts from the Combine, college football writer for The Athletic. There's an NFL QB coach that sounds over the moon about Anthony Richardson. Are the Texans making a mistake if they don't gamble on the upside of Anthony Richardson? We will discuss. We'll get some more thoughts from the Combine this past week. Draft thoughts. That is next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you on a um, on a Tuesday. Uh, Texans just sending a notification out to the media. A little getting to know tomorrow for the uh, coordinators. Our first coordinator press conference tomorrow at 10 a.m. Defensive coordinator Matt Burke and offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. Media availability in the team auditorium at NRG Stadium. What about uh, Frank Ross? He doesn't have to get up there and talk? I guess not. This is his first first time we've seen him since his his new boss is there. That's true. That's true. We're familiar with his work, so uh, probably a little getting to know for the new ones. Of those two, which are you more interested in, Matt Burke or Bobby Slowick? I guess, boy, that's a good one because Matt Burke has been described as the most interesting man in the NFL, which makes me feel like I should be interested in Matt Burke. But I also feel like Matt Burke probably despises the fact that an article was written about him in the title was most interesting man in the NFL. That's a, that's kind of like your Pete Davidson, uh, you know, Pete Davidson's ex there. What's her face said something about, uh, Pete Davidson's apparatus that he feels was overly generous to where now he's, he's put in a position where, uh, people's expectations are higher than they should be. Oh, so Kim, he's, yeah. Kim Kardashian said that about it. Right. Yeah. No, it wasn't Kim Kardashian. Oh, it wasn't? It was the singer. It was, what's her name? Ariana Grande? Um, Ariana Grande. Okay. She said... She I know way too much about Pete Davidson's dating history. Said nice, she said nice, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so now he, he, he says that he's constantly put in this position where people are a little bit underwhelmed. I feel like likewise... Uh, I, I feel like, likewise, uh, Matt Burke might feel that same way. Like, oh, boy, great. They read an article about how I'm the most interesting man in the NFL when really all I want to do is read a book and yeah, quiet. Yeah, it's a lot you know? of pressure, man. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of pressure. I do like, want to uh, find out about him. What What is it? He, like, uh, was walking with silverback gorillas in the no, jungle or something? No, he went – okay, McLean describes it as hiking with silverbacks. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. That sounds interesting. interesting as hell because uh, – Silverback gorillas, notoriously uh, not big hikers. They don't like hiking with a guy. Oh, oh, hey, there's another primate in hiking boots. Let me go off on a journey uh, through yeah, Kilimanjaro that's what with I'm him. picturing, him and a couple of silverback gorillas saying we're the two best friends that anyone he's, could have. Or the yeah, three I think best he went friends. and hiked to go watch silverback gorillas. Okay. He's, uh, he's done a lot of world traveling. Yeah, and gone yeah. Off and I feel like he would be a good guy to talk to Aaron Rodgers. I feel like maybe they, you know, both have an inquisitive nature, and Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers could 
could, you know, explore yeah. with him. Okay. They could go off, you know, on Tuesdays and give Aaron Aaron whatever he needs to keep him happy after his after his show with McAfee, and then on Wednesday he shows up ready to play football. Um, but Bobby Slowick I'm intrigued with just because he, from the interviews I've seen with him, he's got, like, a very cerebral vibe to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of how Vic Fangio didn't quite have the persona of an NFL head coach. And it was kind of nice for Dom Capers because forever he had Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. Or you could hire – other coaches would hire Vic Fangio and and feel like, okay, I don't have to worry about this guy getting yanked away to be a head coach somewhere. And I think that's back kind of in the territory Vic Fangio will be in from now on yeah. – uh, from here on out. You know, Harbaugh had Fangio with him, and, and I felt like, it, you know, from Stanford on into the NFL. Um, so I think Slowick might end up being that way for D'Amico Ryans. Okay. Um, that'll be tomorrow at 10 a.m., so the two coordinators meeting with the media. All right, The Athletic, Bruce Feldman has an article. He was at the Combine, talked to a bunch of different folks uh, who were at the Combine this past week, um, and Anthony Richardson was a huge topic. Here is what one NFL, B, NFL QB coach said about Anthony Richardson. Does this move you as a Texans fan? Would they be missing out on Anthony Richardson? Quote, I knew... That was what Anthony was going to look like throwing the ball. And the reason why I'm so high on him is you can see him throw with touch on film. You can see him take a good drop and be accurate, throwing the right type of ball. He just needs to play quarterback more, end quote. Yeah. <laughs> that Stuff like that scares me. Like, oh, I see it. I saw it He's a couple times. Of doing it. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. He's capable. Yeah. Dude, that's, know, that, that's a scary one for me. The thing that scares me about Anthony Richardson is that, you know, one of his big weaknesses is throwing on the run, and yet one of his biggest strengths is that he can run. Yeah. <laughs> like the Dickens. Yeah. Um, like, but I, I think the biggest thing is that, that the old adage is if you can do it once, you can do it again. And I think that what they see is, okay, when the mechanics are right and when he's settled down and maybe he just needs more time playing football – that, yeah, you can replicate that more and more often. That's how baseball That's how baseball scouts are with pitchers. They're right. like, all right, look, if you can throw hard, we can teach them the control. And uh, football quarterbacks have become a little bit more like pitchers in that um, they've demonstrated an ability to improve their accuracy more now that they're using pitching tools and high-speed cameras and everything. I, I think that's how some quarterback coaches are looking at Dude, it. Dude, this QB coach is, man, I'm going to keep going here. Yeah. When he weighed in, talking about Anthony Richardson, this is a QB coach. When he weighed in and they called out 244, a bunch of people were like, holy crap. It's just like he looked like he weighed 220 the way he was built and carrying it, but he's just so big. His bone <laughs> structure, thick wrists, a big, okay, thick wrists, stop it. Uh, a big head. He says a big head. He's yeah. just a big dude, and he throws yeah. it as good as anyone on those 10 yard outs. You don't see him loading up the back leg and really driving off like some guys do. He's so under control. Oh, my God, this guy keeps going. I think he's unique. I think he's unique. Cam's taller. Cam Newton, I guess, is taller and not nearly as fast. And Anthony throws it better than Cam. Josh Allen at Wyoming was the biggest guy on the field. He was crazy inaccurate, but he played a lot. I think there's pieces of Cam and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Dante Culpepper in there. Our first Dante Culpepper sighting of the draft season. Yes. Uh, continuing. This God, this QB coach loves Anthony he Richardson. Loves him. I had him first on my quarterbacks in this class. He's an outlier to me. I'm not a fan of projects, but he's so otherworldly talented. 
and I've seen him on film doing it right. You saw it in the Utah game. Oh, boy, that Utah game, man, is going to get Utah somebody. Utah game is like turned into the Georgia game for, for Stroud. Stroud. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's gifted enough as a runner and so big and so strong enough physically to buy enough time to <laughs> mentally catch up as a passer and turn the corner. That's what Jalen Hurts did this year, end quote. This is where the, the okay, this is where I get the Jalen Hurts thing bothers me because Jalen Hurts was a much more refined passer of the football when he got to the NFL than Anthony Richardson is. Jalen Hurts yeah. was at least two years ahead of Anthony Richardson as a passer when he got to the NFL compared to Anthony Richardson getting to the getting to the NFL. Hurts stayed at Alabama for a year as a backup just to work with uh with Enos, the quarterback's coach there. Yeah. He went to play for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma so he could refine his his passing. And he's gotten better in the NFL. I mean, he didn't come in a finished product. Otherwise, he would have been a first-round pick. But right. Anthony Richardson isn't in the same zip code as what Jalen Hurts was when he got to the NFL. No, and Anthony Richardson, I, I, you know, that's going to be the biggest mark in his favor, I suppose, is that he has only had one year of starting. If you look at Josh Allen, like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson both were in the 50th, uh, were in the 50s uh, in completion percentage in college, and it hasn't ended up being that much of a hindrance. You know, I think Lamar Jackson hasn't developed to as a passer to the level that you would really want him to, but maybe that's partly because of the offensive coordinator. Um, Josh Allen, you know, it, it looked like it was still going to be that way in the NFL until Stephon Diggs showed up, and that's what you hear a lot of teams saying is, okay, well, you got to be sure you get some receivers, you can get separation. But Josh Allen is also, I think Josh Allen has that similarity in that his good throws are really, really good, and that's what teams would look at and say, well, man, if we can just rein that in a little bit, then maybe we'll be okay. Um, and I think that's what they're looking at with Anthony Richardson. It's just that he hasn't had nearly as much time to, to even show. If, like, if he had one more year as a, full, a full-time starter to show that he had made some improvements, I think people would feel better about it. But, I, man, all it takes is one team, and if that team's the Panthers – I I could see I could see Anthony Richardson going number one overall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God, I would love to know who this QB coach is. Obviously, we're not going to find out, but I mean, it's a QB coach who conceivably could be an offensive coordinator or head coach someday. Yeah. And if uh, if one of those guys feels this way about Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, and I guess that's what I think sometimes people forget about Jamarcus Russell. It's that Jamarcus Russell. Now, it's not a fair comparison because Jamarcus Russell was a more gifted. And, and accomplished passer. But I think sometimes people think of Jamarcus Russell as just uh, a guy with a strong arm where it was no, like he had touch and poise and all of those other things. Like he was much more polished of a passer than Anthony Richardson. Um, but even like he, like that's not enough, you know, like, so, so to, to say, oh, wow, he's got an incredible natural arm talent, but he just needs to rein it all in. Like, that's just not so simple to do. It's a huge gamble. But I think some teams, the team that takes Anthony Richardson will know that it's a huge gamble. Yeah. But they're just hoping that they're gambling on something that works out. Yeah. I, the, something you said earlier in the show just resonates with me now, having read those quotes from that QB coach, which is, <laughs> like, they, they, all it takes is one. You know, it's not a normal market. Teams get crazy. All it takes is one yeah. team to get bananas over a guy, and um, and that's it. All right, um, Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, on a Tuesday here. We head into the nine o'clock hour. I want to hit one more story from this Bruce Feldman article about C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has been the one that has had to convince me that he's the right guy for the Texans. 
This is a story that resonates with me. I don't know if it resonates with Seth or the audience. This I may be the outlier on this one, but a good story about C.J. Stroud from the Combine that uh, bumps him up a notch or two in my book. That is next.